Hey, those guys sound pretty good. Yeah. Amen. That is great. Now, am I on? Did they? Okay. Hey, thank you. Take your Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 21. Judges chapter 21. Good morning, Trinity Baptist, and happy Mother's Day. If you were not here in Sunday school this morning, would you raise your hand? Okay, we missed you. I wanted to tell you what I did. In Sunday school, I comforted and encouraged the mothers. Now I'm going to convict them. So if you miss, so I'm sorry if you missed the, the first part there. My wife and I will be traveling for the next couple weeks all over the state of Michigan. This is where I was born and raised, and it's good to be back uh, to Michigan. I do bring greetings from my pastor. And you know, uh, I pastored for 25 years, thought I'd pastor all of my life. And a lot of times when I'm out traveling, people say, Brother Shetler, what's it like now not pastoring and being under a pastor? Again, I said, you know what? It's super. And I'm going to tell you why. I got a great pastor. I really do. I praise the Lord for Dr. Paul Chapel, our pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church in Lancaster, California. California, the most godless state in the United States. It's terrible. It is the most beautiful country. Now, I'm from Leelanau County, okay? Leelanau Peninsula is one of the most beautiful places on God's creation. But I'm going to tell you something. California is gorgeous. California is absolutely the most beautiful place I've ever lived. And that's hard to beat. I lived right on Lake Leelanau. But I'm telling you, it's absolutely beautiful. The government, the state government out of Sacramento is absolutely the worst place in the world. And I want to share this with you. Some of you might think, (laughs) if you're out here trying to get some students to go to California to go to college, I think you may have a little bit of a hurdle. Can I share this with you? If you can't, first of all, let me tell you this. The darker the night, the brighter the light. I have never been in a church that every Sunday people walk the aisle and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. As I have at Lancaster Baptist Church. I will tell you, one of the most incredible things you will ever see is almost every week, you will see couples in the baptismal with tattoos all over their body being baptized and now instead of identifying with the world, identifying with Jesus Christ. I've never been in a church that evangelizes and disciples the way Lancaster Baptist Church does. And I want to tell you, you pray for us. Right now, there is a bill in Sacramento that would make it illegal to help somebody come out of a homosexual lifestyle. That would also make the Bible illegal one day too, if that passes. Hey gang, we need help out in California. But that doesn't mean that that's not a place to send your young people for college. I'm going to tell you why. Our young people are so actively involved. Our college students are changing Antelope Valley for the cause of Christ. <clears throat> this past Easter, we did a thing in nine parks in Antelope Valley. Antelope Valley consists of about 350,000 people. Palmdale 
in Lancaster, California. We did what was called the hunt. We had Easter egg hunts all over um, the, the Antelope Valley. Over 3,600 people, that would be children and their parents, came to nine different parks. We saw over 285 professions of faith. M- many of them came to church on Easter Sunday, the next Sunday. Many have already been baptized, all because, hey, I'm telling you, California is searching for truth. It is a great place to learn the ministry at a place called West Coast Baptist College. Hey, I got to tell you, the taxes are absolutely terrible. By the way, though, for our college students, it's great. Minimum wage is going up to $15 an hour in the next couple of years. So for our students, it's great. For us, it's terrible. But I will tell you this. I want you to know, if you can't send your student, your child, to a Christian college in California, how are you ever going to give them up to give them to the mission field as well? By the way, that's what we're going to preach about today. We're going to talk about a mom today that consecrated her child and gave her child over to God. And I want to encourage you moms today. And it doesn't matter how old your children are. You say, well, my children are out of the house. They're married. They, they have you know what? I think you can still consecrate them. It does not matter. You say, now we're going, to t- we're going to learn about a mother today that consecrated her child to the Lord before her child was ever born, was ever even conceived. So you can consecrate, consecrate something to the Lord at different stages. I consecrated my life to the Lord when I was 19. I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was 12. But I didn't, like the people of Israel, saved out of Egypt, but not in the promised land for 40 years. They wandered. Well, I didn't wander for 40 years. I wandered for six years of my life. But when I was 19, I consecrated my life to Christ. Let me explain to you what consecration is. I wrote this down. Consecration is to make or declare something sacred, holy, for God. It is to declare something holy to God. You are consecrating, giving it over to God. Here's here's a good way to say it. You're going from ownership to stewardship. You're taking something and you're saying, God, this is now holy. This is now yours. By the way, you can do that with your social media and you better. You better consecrate your telephone over to God, your computer over to God. You can consecrate your abilities and talents. Maybe you have a talent and athletic ability that you've used for self. You can take that athletic talent and consecrate that over to God. I run a camp. I speak at camps all summer long, but there's two weeks that I run a camp. It's called Joshua Camps. It's kind of a hybrid camp. We run it like any other camp. We have activities. We split the camp in two teams. They do all kinds of fun stuff like that. We have preaching, of course. But it's also a specialty camp. Young people come in in music, and we have a music camp, a basketball camp, a volleyball camp, a media camp, a worldview camp, a missions camp, a leadership camp. And, And young people take a specialty, and they basically learn how they can use the gifts that God has given them and they consecrate their life over to God. Now we're going to talk about a mom today that 
before she had a child, before she was ever a mother, she was willing to consecrate, make sacred and holy that child over to God and say, God, if you give me a son, that son will live for you. I consecrate that child to you. Now, that's a great time to do it. It's a great time to consecrate something to God before it starts. If you get a new job, you say, Lord, this job is on to you. This job is holy. Before you buy a car, God, you give us that car, you give us that vehicle, it's yours. This house, Lord, is yours. I, I, I remember uh, uh, when I was uh, pastoring down in Pensacola, and I, I did this in San, I pastored in Santa Maria, California for a few years as well. And uh, sometimes we'd go over, someone would get a, a, a new home, and they would say, hey, uh, Dr. Shuttler, Pastor Shuttler, would you come over and, and dedicate our home, consecrate our home over to the Lord? I did this with a young couple in Pensacola. I'll never forget this. And they had four little children, and uh, uh, Kimberly and John Granger. And uh, we, I went over on a Saturday night, and I, we consecrated their brand new home to the Lord. We, we gave the home over to, over to Jesus. And uh, the next day, oh, uh, um, I'll tell you, by the way, the passage I use. You know the story about when they brought the man in on the, on the bed uh, that was paraplegic, and uh, they ripped the tiles off, and they brought him down? I said, if you're not willing to rip the tile off your home, you're not willing to give it to God. And especially if you live in Pensacola, because the hurricanes will rip off your roof anyhow. So it's a good thing to do. So anyways, I, I give that, and I said, are you willing to allow God to do anything in this home? Are you giving this to God? And they said, yeah, and we consecrated it. The next day, the mother, Kimberly, came up to me and said, Pastor, I got to tell you what happened last night after you left. And I said, what's that? Well, I was putting my daughter to bed, and we prayed. And we just moved into the home. They'd only been in the home a couple weeks. And the little girl said to mommy, said, mommy, when are we moving? And mother said, honey, we're not moving. We just moved in here. Well, tonight, Pastor Shetler came and gave his house to Jesus. (laughs) So when are we moving? You know what? She got it, didn't she? The Grangers gave their house over to Christ. Now they became stewards of it. You know what it means to consecrate something to God? It means that you're saying, God, this ability, this talent, this child, my life, this vehicle, this piece of property, this church, I would imagine, Trinity Baptist, this piece of property, I would imagine, has been consecrated to God. Hey, by the way, you know, you can consecrate a day of the week to God too. Yeah, yeah, you don't hear it anymore. There used to be a day in America where Sunday was consecrated to God. It was a holy day. It was a sacred day that we would rest and reflect and remember what God had done for us. We don't live in that culture anymore. But you can consecrate a day of your week over to the Lord and say, God, this is your day. This is yours. We make it holy. Now, we're going to study today a woman that consecrated her child to the Lord. You know, you may not be a mother here today, but there may be something God's saying, will you give me this? You say, I don't mean to be disrespectful, Brother Shuttler, but why should I? You know, actually, that's actually a very good question. 
Because I want to tell you, anything that you consecrate to God, you are consecrating to a worthy God. He is the creator. He is the Lord. He is the king. Whatever you decide to give to him, it is right to do it. For this God is God. And if you truly believe he is your God and your savior, there ought to be something in your life that you want to make holy, that you want to dedicate over to him. Maybe it's your dreams. Maybe it's your plans. But there may be something in your life right now. It doesn't matter what age you are. Have you consecrated it to God? And I want to tell you this. Some of you already have grandchildren, but you never have dedicated and consecrated your own children to God. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a parent. I pray today that the heart of this woman, Hannah, will be the heart of ours. You say, Brother Shuttler, you told us to turn to Judges chapter 21. Isn't the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel? Yes. But I want you to see the culture that Hannah consecrates her son in. Because this is really important. If you're in Judges chapter 21, look at verse 25 for just a moment. The very last verse of the book of Judges pretty much describes the United States of America today. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that. Would you finish the verse for me? Every man did that, everyone together, which was right in his own eyes. Wow. Does that describe our culture today? Everyone does that which is right. By the way, the word right there is the idea of just. Everyone's got their own justice system. I think the biggest problem in America today is bitterness. The unresolved violation of your justice system. Everyone's got their own justice system. And everyone thinks, you know, this isn't right. This isn't fair. That's exactly what it was like in Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, I want you to see this. In this, we just talked about how bad California was. We could talk about how bad the rest of the country is too, folks. We could talk about how bad it is around here in Michigan too. But I want to tell you something. The culture is not an excuse for a believer not to live for God. It does not matter the culture we live in. We are going to find one of the most godly women in the entire Bible today. We are going to look at one of the most godly mothers that the scriptures have ever recorded. But I want you to understand when this godly woman was living. She was living in a day and age, in a time that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. By the way, she's not even the only wife to her husband. Her husband's got two wives in this story. We know that that is not God's ideal. We know that that is not God's thing. But even in that, Hannah was a godly woman. Even in that, Hannah lived for the Lord. And I want to tell you something, Trinity Baptist Church. It does not matter our culture that we find ourselves in. We can still live for the Lord. We can still do that which is right. We can still have godly moms in Trinity Baptist Church. Even though the rest of Michigan or the rest of our country and our world may not every man does that which is right in his own eyes, not here. The mothers in this church 
The fathers in this church, the men and women and young people in this church can live for God even in a day and age where every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So let me encourage you, you don't have to use your culture as an excuse not to consecrate something to God. I've entitled this message, When Consecration Comes Home. Let's look over now at 1 Samuel chapter 1. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) 1 Samuel chapter 1, and let's look at verse 11. So, every year they went to the tabernacle, and um, Elkanah, the husband, would bring both his wives. His other wife was bearing children, but Hannah was not. Hannah went to the tabernacle, the presence of God, and she prayed. And she asked God for something. I want you to see her prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verse number 11, and then I want to turn over to one other passage and have a word of prayer. Look at verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. Would you look over at chapter 2 and verse 19. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 19. So, Hannah's prayer is answered. And after the child is weaned, the child is dedicated to the, temp, to the tabernacle for service to God. In 1 Samuel 2.19, I want you to see something I don't know if you've ever noticed before. Moreover, his mother, that would be Hannah. Moreover, Samuel's mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Father, I ask today that there would be mothers that are willing to consecrate their lives and their children over to you and make it something sacred. Father, I pray for every believer in this room that whatever area that you are talking to them about consecration, Lord, there's people that are probably can sing, but they're not in the choir. Every one of us got some times to go out in soul win, and we haven't consecrated our schedule to you. We haven't consecrated our television to you. We have not made holy our telephone. Father, I believe that in every one of our lives, there's an area that you're knocking and saying, will you dedicate, will you consecrate that thing that I have given you? Will you stop being the owner and start being the steward? And Lord, 
May we as moms and dads realize they are not our children. They're your children that you have given to us. I do pray today for Ben, Luke, and Drew. You gave us three boys, Father. Those three boys have been given back to you. And I pray for every mom and dad in this room that they would realize that those children are not theirs. Those children, the fruit of the womb is your reward. May we start shooting the arrows towards your target of your will. In a day and age, Father, where you have been kicked out of our society, may you be now consecrated our children unto you. And I don't care, Father, how old these parents may be in here. May today there be either a renewal of their consecration or maybe a beginning. We talk so much about baby dedication. We need parent dedication today. We need moms and dads dedicating their lives, their hearts, and their families over to you. I thank you for Pastor Ferguson. Father, he has had such a stellar heart. His heart and his sincerity has always been pure. Father, he has allowed me to stand behind his pulpit today on Mother's Day. I pray I would be found a good steward of that. And I pray that you will bless the Ferguson home. That you will bless their children. That, Father, as Seth and Cindy have dedicated their lives to you and consecrated. And, Lord, the good things we're hearing about Trinity right now. We pray that this would be sacred ground. That this would be a sacred building. And that, Father, the lives that come to this place would have a holiness about them and a consecration. God, I pray that you'll continue to bless here at Trinity. May Mother's Day today. Yeah, we pray we'll be comforted. We pray we'll be challenged. But, Lord, I do pray that we would be convicted that they're not our children. They're yours. May we consecrate our families unto you today. These things we pray in the name of of the one who died on the cross for our sins, in the name of the one who rose from the grave, in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And God's people said, if you had a chance to talk to Samuel when he was alive, one of the great prophets of all time, one of the last judges, They say he was one of the greatest intercessors of prayer there has ever been. And you had a chance to talk to Samuel. And you say, hey, Samuel, tell me, what was the key to your life? Why are you such a godly man? Why did God appoint you as the prophet, as the last judge of Israel? Samuel, what was it that made you successful? I don't know. But I think this is what Samuel would have done. Come here. Let me show you something. Back here in my closet. You know why I live for God? You know why I've been a prophet of Israel? You know why the Lord's blessed my prayers? Let me show you. Samuel opens up a closet. And in that closet are coats. 
everyone a different size. And every one of those coats, starting with little, little jackets, every one of those coats, my mom made those. You see, my mom left me at the tabernacle when I was just a little boy. I only got to see her once a year. But I think my mom prayed for me when she made every one of those jackets. I think I'm living for God today because I had a mom who consecrated me to the Lord. I had a mom that she only saw me. She gave me up to the Lord. She would come once a year and she'd give me the next little jacket. My pride, the most precious thing that I own are those jackets because they represent a mother who consecrated me to God, who is willing to say, Samuel's not mine. Samuel is the Lord's. And I will give my child to God to use in a great way. Moms and moms-to-be, we need a culture. We need a Christianity. We need godly women that would be willing to say, you know what? Hands off on my children. You know the three reasons why, why young people don't go to West Coast? Three reasons. Money, miles, and mama. And that's true. Parents don't want to give up their kids anymore. They don't want to send them off to serve the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something, moms. We need consecrated mothers who have consecrated their children to the Lord. I want you to see three things about her consecration. Hannah was a committed mother. She was a committed mother. If we see it in verse 11, she's very, she's into this thing. She says, listen, you give me a man child, that man child is yours. Look at verse 27 and 28 of the same chapter. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent. Okay, now, we we really sometimes get a little messed up with this word here. The idea is, I have prayed for. The word lent is the idea of to ask, to petition. Therefore also I have petitioned him to the Lord. I prayed for this. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. There's, this is a committed woman. And how do you know that, Brother Shelley? I see three things here. Before she had a child, she was all in on this thing. I've learned something. I trusted Christ at 12 years of age in Kalamazoo, Michigan, at a, at a church retreat at a place called Anchor Point. And, I, and, I, and I've learned something. I, I've been saved for uh, close to 50 years. And I've got to tell you, I have found out something about the Christian life. It does not work halfway. It doesn't work halfway. Do you know who I think are the most unhappy people on planet Earth? Ha <laughs> ha, those people going to hell. No, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of people going to hell having a good time. I really do. Do you know what I've noticed at 61 years of age? The most unhappy people on planet Earth are Christians that are not sold out to God. 
You cannot live the Christian life halfway. It's not made to live that way. You see, Jesus Christ gave everything on that cross for you. And unless you give everything to him, there will always be a struggle, there will always be tension, and your life will never work. We have people that are trying to put one foot in the world and one foot in the church. That is the most difficult way to live the Christian life. The Christian life has got to be lived all in. You've got to be committed to whatever you've done. I want to tell you something about this woman. This woman is absolutely committed to what she's going to give to God. And by the way, isn't that a great word for moms? You, you know what? I, I, I don't know. There probably are. But I don't think I've ever seen a mom half committed to her children. Oh, you know, either or. No, no. Moms are totally all in. By the way, are we not all thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that your mom's all in about you? I mean, it's all about the kids. And they're all in. Well, let me tell you something. That's the way you've got to live your life for God. You've got to look at the way your mom committed to you, and you've got to say, you know what? That's the way you've got to live the Christian life. You've got to be all in. She is, she's not holding anything back. I'm telling you, Lord, you give me a son. He is all yours. I am totally, 100% committing my child to you. And I think that total commitment is important. But not only uh, before she had the child, she was all in. But notice this. She gave to God the most valuable possession of her life. I don't think God asks for cheap stuff. I think God wants the most valuable thing in your life. We're in 1 Samuel. Uh, hold there. We'll be back in just a moment. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 22? By the way, this is kind of a trivia little thing, an interesting note. Do you know that the very first time in the entire Bible the word love is mentioned? It is not in reference between a male and a female. It's not even in reference to God. The first time the word love is mentioned in the Bible has to do with a parent and a child. In Genesis 22, God comes to Abraham. Now this is a father. But God comes to Abraham. This is the first time the word love is mentioned in the entire Bible. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2. And he, that would be God, said, Take now thy son. I cannot read this verse and not pause and do a rabbit trail here. Take now thy son, thine... Everyone together, what's the next word? Only. Son, Isaac. Do you know what? That's not true. That's not true. Well, Brother Scheller, are you telling me that the Bible's God's lying here? No, he's not. But is Isaac Abraham's only son? It's not. Abraham's got another son named Ishmael. But Ishmael was the workings of the flesh. They tried to figure out how Abraham could get a seed. So we're going to take Hagar, a concubine. Abraham's going to have immorality with her. And then we're going to come up with a seed from that. God doesn't recognize that. God only recognizes faith. By the way, if you think you got a way to get to heaven, 
that you're going to kind of figure it out on your own, you're wrong, friend. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. The only way is by faith alone. Hey, well, you know, I go to church and I live a good life. That's not going to do it with God. There is only one way that you can get to heaven, and it is by faith that you put in what Jesus Christ did for you, and you trust in him. I think that is so interesting that God does not even recognize Ishmael. He says, take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, and here it comes, whom thou, first time in the Bible it's mentioned, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Of everything that Abraham owned, about everything that Abraham had, what was it? Moms, hear this. Ain't nobody on this earth loves your children the way that you do. Hold on. Of everything that Abraham owned, owned, what did God want? Give me Isaac. Burn offering? You want me to kill my son? Give me Isaac, whom thou lovest. Now God's going to provide an amazing way. Isaac's never going to be killed. But by faith, Abraham had to show that he really, truly believed in God. By the way, in James chapter 2, that incredibly difficult passage that talks about faith without works is dead, it mentions Abraham there. It doesn't talk about Abraham when he was saved, Genesis 15, that he believed in God and it was counted to him for righteousness. It talks about this passage. Why? Abraham is already saved, but he doesn't show his faith. It doesn't prove that he's saved until he's willing to take Isaac and offer Isaac. Faith without works is dead. Hey, let me just tell you, Mom, don't tell me how much you believe in God until you've given your child over to God. Don't tell me how much you say, oh, I just love Jesus, and you're holding on to the apron string still of your children and not trusting God for what he could do with your children. No, 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 it doesn't work. Faith without works is dead. How did it prove that Abraham really had faith in God? God even says here in Genesis 22, Now I know, over in verse 12, Now I know that thou fearest me. I know it now because you're willing to consecrate your son over to me. You know what? There are parents in this room that have struggled with God for years because you've never given your child over to God. You have tried everything you can to maneuver yourself into your child's life. And you need to give your your child, your son or daughter, over to the Lord. And your child may be out of your home now. But I'm telling you, has there ever been a time where you committed it over to God? Hey, Hannah was committed in mother. Before she ever had the child, she was all in. She gave to God her most valuable possession. And she took her hands off. But she still had influence. I just love the little jacket thing. She's home sewing the little coat for, for Samuel every year. You say she didn't have influence. Oh, I think she had an incredible influence. And sometimes, moms, you'll have more influence on your children when you let go than when you try to hold on too much.
Sometimes by trusting God to work in your child's life and saying, you know what, Lord? All my influence, her influence now was sewing jackets and praying every day. And moms, I just want you to know, I believe that one of the most powerful forces on planet Earth are the prayers of a mother. And I I know that sounds really good on Mother's Day, but I believe that. I believe that the prayers of a mother are some of the most powerful forces on this earth. When you get a hold of God about your child and your son or your daughter, don't quit praying for your children. Number one, Hannah was committed. Number two, Hannah was confident. I love getting back to 1 Samuel for just a moment. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I love verse 18. So uh, Eli is the priest, and he's watching Hannah at the tabernacle and thinks Hannah's drunk because Hannah is not saying any words, but her mouth is moving, and obviously she's very emotional. Have you ever prayed this way? This has only happened a couple times in my life. But have you ever been burdened about anything where you couldn't say the words? You, you couldn't say the words, but God knew the heart? Well, this is mom here. Hannah is praying for a child. And she can't even mouth the words anymore. It's so deep and so real in her life. And Eli's watching this. And Eli said, man, this woman is drunk. What's she doing at the tabernacle? Finally, he, she does begin to talk to Eli and says, no, I'm not drunk. I'm praying to God. And, and then he says in verse 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Now this is very important. This would be a promise. And this is from a promise from the man of God. Now, Hannah doesn't have one of these, okay? Hannah doesn't have a copy of the Torah yet. She doesn't have a copy of the scriptures. So her faith in God's word must come from God's man. So Eli giving this promise to mom to be is like finding a promise from the scriptures. So this speaks of the word of God. Eli says, Hannah, you're going to have a child. Well, that comes from the man of God. So I believe that's God's word. Now you hear this. She takes that, and she holds on to that for everything she's got. Moms, I want to encourage you to do something today. Get a promise for your family. Get a promise for your children. Get a passage of Scripture that you want to claim for your child. Maybe you've got a a, a wayward child right now. You find a passage of Scripture, and you claim that promise, and you say, God, I'm going to keep knocking until this promise is answered for my son, for my daughter. Lord, for my grandkids, find a passage of Scripture. Find a promise. Grab a hold of it and say, Lord, I'm not letting go of this promise. You gave me this thing. He gave Hannah the word there. And I'll tell you what it produced. Hannah was a confident mother. Look at verse 18. Now, remember what she was just, she couldn't even speak just a moment ago. She was so emotionally distraught when she was praying. Look at verse 18. And she said, let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. 
I love this. Come on, gang. What did she do? Casting all my care upon him. For he careth for me. I'm going to trust God now. I got my word. I got my promise. And now I'm not going to be a worrisome mother. Come on, ladies. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust my God. I'm going to go eat. And I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to be glad. Hey, you know what we don't need? We don't need sad moms. We need glad moms. And by the way, we don't need sad believers. We need glad believers. You believe in God's word. You take the promises of God. And you go, let's go forward, man. She is not. She is committed. But she's confident. God's going to answer this. God's going to take care of this. I'm leaving this up to the Lord. And I am leaving it in his hands. I just absolutely love that. Believe in your God. Believe in your children. Stop worrying. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I think we believe today that it is a true sign of love when mothers worry for their kids. No, that's a true sign of unbelief is what that is. That is not a sign. Well, I just worry for my children. We're not supposed to worry for our kids. We're supposed to give our children over to the Lord and by faith and by confidence believe God's going to do something. Does that mean we don't have any concern? No, we're not talking about concern. We're talking about worry. Now, I teach a class at college called Introduction to Biblical Counseling. We take nine different areas. We talk about depression, bitterness, da-da-da-da-da. One of the areas that we discuss is anxiety. And I give a definition for anxiety. Listen to this definition. Anxiety. Taking on responsibility given to God. Now, you hear that again. Taking on responsibility that's given to God. In other words, we're worrying about stuff that God's supposed to take care of. And you will always be anxious and you will always be a worrisome person. When you're taking on response, hey, did you give your kid to the Lord? Did you do this? Did you trust the Lord for it? Don't keep holding on. Don't keep worrying about it. You're going to be an anxious mother. And you know what it'll actually do? It pushes your children further away from you. Give your kids over to God. This is a confident. We got one more. Hannah was committed mother. Number two, Hannah was a confident mother. But I love this. Hannah was a consistent mother. Look at chapter 2, verse 18 through 21. And this is where we, we went. Um, about the, about the um, she was consistent. Year in and year out. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, praise God, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. When she came up with, when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. This is the only time. When he was eight years old, he saw his mother one time. A year. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord 
and they went on to their own home. I don't know if you know the rest of the story or not, but Hannah goes on to have many children. She has boys and girls. She has many more children. But she took that child and she consecrated. She made holy unto God Samuel before he was ever born and she was consistent with it. Moms, I'll tell you what we need. We need you to be consistent day in and day out. We need your faithfulness. We need you to to be consistent. And and here this woman, she would go once a year. She would spend the rest of the, the year. She made the little jacket for Samuel, lifted him up. She was a mother that was committed. She was a mother that was confident. And she was a mother who was consistent with him. I want to encourage you today, Trinity Baptist Church. Praise God for Mother's Day. And we are thankful. And we did say in Sunday school this morning, thank you for the fences. Thanks for the forgiveness. Thanks for your faith in us. But I got to tell you, we need you to be committed in this thing, moms. We need you to be confident and say, you know what? I'm giving over to God and I'm trusting God. And we need you to be consistent. As moms. Now, there are some of you in here that are called males. You're a man. And you say, well, praise God, man. That message wasn't for me today. What is it that God today wants you to bring down to this altar and consecrate to God? Is there ability, a talent, a possession? I'm telling you right now. Social media is never going to change. We've got to consecrate our social media to God. We've got to say, God, this is yours. Television's not going to change, but we've got to consecrate our television watching to God. Is there something, sir, that needs to go on this altar? Hey, maybe you're not a father or a mother in here. Maybe you're a single person in here. Maybe you're a teenager in here. Oh, no, this message is for you, too. Because Hannah shows us how to give our lives to God. How to totally commit. Just say, God, I'm in this thing all the way. This is not a halfway thing with me. I tell you right now, we need some believers in our country that will take a step of commitment and say, you know what? I'm going to do the hard thing. We have the bar down so low today in our Christianity that we just say, God, I'm in all the way. I'm not into this thing halfway. I'm living for my God. What a great day on Mother's Day. And by the way, you might be an answer today to a mother's prayer by consecrating your life to the Lord. Do you ever think about that? Wouldn't surprise me that there are mothers that are praying for people in this room right now. They don't know what's being preached. They're not here. But there is a mother that's been praying for you for a long time. Maybe it's time to be an answer to your parents' prayer and say, dear God, I know what my mom wants. I know what you want. And I'm willing to consecrate that to the Lord. Now, this message is for everyone today. But moms, I encourage you. If you have to say, you know, Jim, I do believe I consecrated my children to the Lord a long time ago. But I think I've taken it back. And I think it's been more about ownership than stewardship. 
And that thing about worry, hey, I just got to tell you, I'm carrying stuff that needs to go to God. That's what the altar's here for. The altar's here for that. Maybe you just want to come down and pray for your children today. Maybe you just say, you know what? I may not be like Hannah, but I got to tell you, I'm going to keep praying for my child. I'm going to pray for my grandkids. And today, I'm telling you, strongest force on this earth is the prayers of a mom. And Hannah is evidence of that. Let me encourage you today. The altar will be open in just a moment. Come down and consecrate someone or something to the Lord today. And you don't have to be a mom. You could be a teenage boy that would say, you know what, I'm all in on this thing. I'm going to live for God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In just a moment, the piano is going to begin to play. Before we do that, I have a couple questions I want to ask. I would like to ask, first of all, I'm not asking how many of you are consecrated to God. I'm asking how many of you are God's. You have trusted Jesus Christ alone by faith. You have asked Jesus to be your Savior. You came to a point, you may not remember what you prayed. You may not remember the date. But you know that there was an event, there was a time when you were lost on your way to hell, deserving of hell because of your sin. And by faith, you asked Jesus Christ to do for you what you could not do for yourself. You believe Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for your sins. And the best you knew how, you asked Christ to be your Savior. And today, if something happened to you, you know that you know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven. How many of you today could say, Jim, we're not dealing with consecration right now. We're dealing with salvation. And Jim, I know that I'm a child of God, that he is my heavenly father, and I know that I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did for me, and I receive that gift. If that is true, could you lift your hand all over this room for just a moment? Would you hold it up for just a moment? Thank you. That is an absolute glorious sight, let me just tell you. But I do appreciate the honesty of some of you. There are a few in in here, as far as I could tell, did not raise your hand. Thank you for being honest. But don't let that honesty send you to hell. Accept Christ now as your Savior. Is there someone this morning, by the way, talk about an answer to a mother's prayer. It's very possible that there is somebody in here right now that is not on their way to heaven. And you've had a mom or dad pray for you for years to get saved. Well, let Mother's Day 2018 Be the day you trust Christ as your Savior. And you know what? You may come from the worst family in the world. You say, Brother Shea, you talk about Mother's Day today. You should know about my family. No, wait. Let me tell you about another family. You accept Jesus today. You become a part of the family of God. I wonder today, is there anyone here that would say, I would like to receive Jesus Christ this morning as my Savior so I could come into the family of God and know I'm on my way to heaven. Jim, would you pray for me? Would you lift up your hand? Is there anyone like that? Is there anyone anywhere? I'll wait just a minute. Brother Scheller, I don't think I'm saved. I want to know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Is there anyone?
How many of you today, I don't care, you're male or female, I don't care. If you're a mom or dad or a single, you have children, no children, you're 15 or you're 50. How many of you today, God spoke to your heart about praying for your kids, consecration of something in your life, and you just say, Brother Shetler, you didn't even mention this. But I need, to be, I need to stop being the owner of this in my life, and I need to start being the steward of this. God has spoken to my heart today. I am a mom here today, Brother Shetler, and I just got to tell you, I'm doing less praying and more worrying, and that's going to change. I'm putting my kids back on the altar today. God spoke to my heart today about an area in my life. Brother Shetler, I need some, to do some consecrating, making something holy given something over to God, totally committed, totally confident. And by God's grace, I want to be consistent. God spoke to my heart today. If that's true, would you raise your hand all over the auditorium today? Amen. Praise the Lord, Trinity Baptist. Thank you for your tenderness. I want to encourage you. If you just raised your hand in just a moment when the piano comes, begins to play, would you step on out? Let's take Mother's Day 2018 and do some work, some business down here at the altar. And say, dear God, I'm all in on this thing. God, it's yours. She's yours. He's yours. Lord, that talent, that ability, it's yours, God. Just a moment ago, it was as many men that raised their hand as women. I thought that was good. God spoke in a lot of areas. If you didn't just raise your hand, but you know, no, I'm getting this thing taken care of today. Let me encourage you to come. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. And as the piano begins to play, God spoke to your heart. You come on down. Let's make this an altar today. Let's say, Lord, I consecrate this to God today. Amen. You come. God spoke to your heart. Many of you are in the back. Raise your hand. You come.